Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. But the story by Michael Powell in the New York Times is titled Inside a Battle Over Race, Class, and Power at Smith College. A student said she was racially profiled while eating in a college dorm. An investigation found no evidence of bias, but the incident will not fade away. Now, the reason this stuck with me, I read this midday yesterday and then thought about it and read it a second time then posted it on Twitter and then thought about it some more and then decided to read it to you and then play you the recordings that are part of this story is because I don't think Smith is alone. I think this is happening at colleges across the United States. And if you have college-age children, you're going to want to sit down with them and talk about this and talk about the environment on campus these days and the sort of uh, allegation, counter-allegation, charge, counter-charge, and consequence of this, uh, both if you are a minority, if you're African-American, or if you're Anglo, if you're Indian-American, no matter what you are, there is an environment on campus today which is toxic. And it's an, I, I wouldn't be sending, if my kids were college age, I would be taking a year off. Number one, I wouldn't pay for video instruction in a dorm somewhere. But number two, Smith costs something like $78,000 a year. And community college is better than this nightmare, this potpourri of charge and countercharge. But let me read the story, and then you can decide for yourself. We will post all of the first two segments as one segment as the rundown today, so you hear this. Michael Powell is the author. In midsummer of 2018, Uamu Kanute, I believe that is how it is pronounced, O-U-M-O-U, O-U-M-O, Kanute, a black student at Smith College, recounted a distressing American tale. She was eating lunch in a dorm lounge when a janitor and a campus police officer walked over and asked her what she was doing there. The officer, who could have been carrying a lethal weapon, left her near, quote, meltdown, Mrs. Canute wrote on Facebook, saying that this encounter continued a year-long pattern of harassment at Smith. All I did was be black, Ms. Canute wrote. It's outrageous that some people question my being at Smith College and my existence overall as a woman of color. The college's president, Kathleen McCartney, offered profuse apologies and put the janitor on paid leave. Quote, this painful incident reminds us of the ongoing legacy of racism and bias, the president wrote, in which people of color are targeted while simply going about the business of their ordinary lives. The New York Times, The Washington Post, and CNN picked up the story of a young female student harassed by white workers. The American Civil Liberties Union, which took the student's case, said she was profiled for, quote, eating while black. The attention was paid three months. No attention was paid. Excuse me, less attention was paid three months later when a law firm hired by Smith College to investigate the episode found no persuasive evidence of bias. Mrs. Canute was determined to have eaten in a deserted dorm that had been closed for the summer. The janitor had been encouraged to notify security if he saw unauthorized people there. The officer, like all campus police, was unarmed. Smith College officials emphasized, quote, reconciliation and healing, close quote, after the incident. In the month to come, they announced a raft of anti-bias training for all staff, a revamped and more sensitive campus police force, 
and the creation of dormitories as demanded by Ms. Canute and her ACLU ACLU lawyer set aside for black students and other students of color. But they did not offer any public apology or amends to the workers whose lives were gravely disrupted by the students' accusation. This is a tale of how race, class, and power collided at the elite 145-year-old liberal arts college where tuition, room, and board topped $78,000 a year and where the employees who keep the school running often come from working-class enclaves beyond the school's elegant wrought-iron gates. The story highlights the tensions between a student's deeply felt sense of personal truth, deeply felt sense of personal truth, and the facts that are at odds with that deeply felt sense of personal truth. Did you hear that? The Times saying the facts are at odd with her deeply felt sense of personal truth. These tensions come at a time when few in the Smith community feel uncomfortable publicly questioning liberal orthodoxy on race and identity. Not liberal, by the way, it's hard left. And some professors worry the administration is too deferential to its increasingly emboldened students. Quote, my perception is that you're on the wrong side of an issue of identity politics. You're not just mistaken, you're evil. As James Miller, an economics professor at Smith College and a conservative. I must have found the only one. In an interview, Ms. McCartney said that Ms. Canute's encounter with the campus staff was part of a spate of cases of, quote, living while black harassment across the nation. There was, she noted, a great pressure to act. We always try to show compassion for everyone involved, she said. President McCartney, again, President of Smith, like all the workers Ms. Canute interacted with on that day, is white. Faculty members, however, point to a pattern that they say reflects the college's growing timidity in the face of allegations from students, especially around the issue of race and ethnicity. Ethnicity. In 2016, students denounced faculty at Smith's social work program as racist after some professors questioned whether admission standards for their programs had been lowered, and this was affecting the quality of field work. Dennis Meals, one of the professors that they decried, left at the school not long after. Then in the autumn of 2019, the Religious Studies Department proposed a class on Native American religion and spirituality. A full complement of students registered, but well before the class began, a small contingent of Native American students and allies pasted bright red posters on buildings and campuses, reviling the course as harmful and intrusive. The administration declined to challenge the student protesters, had the instructors submit to sessions of radical listening with the protesters. In the end, the Religious Studies Department dropped the class. The atmosphere at Smith is gaining attention nationally, in part because a recently resigned employee of the school, Jody Shaw, has attracted a fervent YouTube following by decrying what she sees as the college's insistence that its white employees, through anti-bias training, embrace an ideology of structural racism. I'm going to pause there because we have got two of the videos that Ms. Shaw has taped. I want to play a portion of the first one first. Hi, my name is Jody Shaw. I work in the Department of Residence Life in the Division of Student Affairs at Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. I've been thinking a lot about how I got here and what's happened on the inside of me since I've been working at Smith been thinking a lot about fear, but more than that, just about how this ideology works. 
So when I started working at Smith, I was told that racism is a big problem and that it's not actually an observable act. It's an invisible force that's embedded in structures and systems and certain people. And by certain people, I mean white people. Uh, I was told that white people uphold white supremacy and perpetuate racism simply by being white. And I had no reason. So, so we've moved from racism as something you do to racism being something that you are. And another way to put it, I had no reason to disbelieve Smith College. I'm not an academic and I trusted them. And I was told that the best thing for me to do as a white person to help this situation is to do the work. It's called <laughs> uh, the work at Smith is talking a lot about your white privilege in public with other people, talking about whiteness, reading about white supremacy, that kind of thing. And so I did the work and I did it for two reasons. One, because I'm totally against racism and I want to be a good person. And I was told this, this is how I could help this problem. And the other reason was fear. I was afraid that if I didn't do the work, then I would be called a racist. And I was already on thin ice as a white person. I was quoting her in the New York Times. I played a bit of her first video of two. The New York Times continues quoting her. Stop demanding that I admit to white privilege and work on my so-called implicit bias as a, continued, as a condition of my continued employment, Ms. Shaw, who is also a 1993 graduate of Smith and who worked in the residential life department, said in one of her videos. After months of clashing with the administration, Ms. Shaw resigned last week and appears likely to sue the school, calling it a racially hostile workplace. Her claims drew headlines from Fox News to Rolling Stone this week. Alumni, faculty, and students continue to debate the issue. All of this arose from the events of July 31st, 2018. Mrs. Ms. Canute, and I do hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, New York raised, a 5'2 runner and science student, was the first in her family which had immigrated from Mali to attend college. She worked that summer as a teaching assistant, and on July 31, awoke late and stopped at the Tyler House dormitory cafeteria for lunch on her way to gym. The account of what unfolded next is drawn from the investigative report in dozens of interviews, including with a lawyer for Ms. Canute, who declined several interview requests. Student workers were not supposed to use the Tyler cafeteria, which, reserved, which was reserved for a summer camp for young children. Jackie Blair, a veteran cafeteria employee, mentioned that to Ms. Canute when she saw her getting lunch there and then decided to drop it. Staff members dance carefully around rule enforcement for fear students will lodge complaints. Quote, we used to joke, don't let a rich student report you because if you do, you're gone, said Mark Patendude, a janitor. Ms. Canute took her food and then walked through a set of French doors, crossed a foyer, and reclined in the shadowed lounge of a dormitory closed for the summer where she scrolled through the web as she ate. A large stuffed bear obscured the view of her from the cafeteria. A janitor, who was in his 60s and poor of sight, 
was emptying garbage cans when he noticed someone in the closed lounge. All involved with the summer camp were required to have state background checks, and campus police had advised staff it was wisest to call security rather than confront strangers on their own. The janitor, who had worked at Smith for 35 years, dialed security. We have a person sitting there laying down in the living room, the janitor told a dispatcher, according to a transcript. I didn't approach her or anything, but he seems out of place. The janitor had noticed Ms. Canute's black skin, but made no mention of that to the dispatcher. Ms. Canute was in the shadows. He was not sure if he was looking at a man or a woman. She would later accuse the janitor janitor of misgendering her. A well-known older campus security officer drove over to the dorm. He recognized Ms. Canute as a student. They had a brief and polite conversation, which he which she recorded. He apologized for bothering her, and she spoke to him of her discomfort. Quote, stuff like this happens way too often, when people just feel like threatened. That night, Ms. Canute wrote a Facebook post. Quote, it's outrageous that some people question my being at Smith and my existence overall as a woman of color. Her two-paragraph post hit Smith College like an electric charge. President McCartney weighed in a day later. I begin by offering the student involved my deepest apology that this incident occurred, she wrote, and to assure her that she belongs in all Smith places. Ms. McCartney did not speak to the accused employee and put the janitor on paid leave that day. Ms. McCartney and her staff talk often on their social justice mission, and faculty say that this has seeped into near every aspect of the college. Students can now obtain a minor in social justice studies. That said, the president had stumbled in ways that left her bruised by the time of the 2018 incident. In 2014, she moderated an alumni discussion in New York on free speech. A white female panelist argued it was a mistake to ban Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn because he used the N-word. That panelist then uttered the word in the hopes, she said, of drawing the word of its ugly powers. Students denounced Ms. McCartney for failing to denounce the panelist. The president requested forgiveness. Turns out, according to the article, that the president of Smith College, President McCartney, has been having a lot of missteps over a lot of years. I've already told you about one. Later in 2014, she wrote to the college community, picking up on the article again, lamenting that grand juries had not indicted police officers in the death of black men. All lives matter, Ms. McCartney concluded, in an inadvertent echo of a conservative rallying cry. Again, Smith students denounced her, and again she apologized. Ms. McCartney appeared intent on making no such missteps in 2018. In an interview, she said that Ms. Canute deserved an apology and swift action even before the investigation was undertaken. It was appropriate to apologize, Ms. McCartney said. She is living in a context of living while black incidents. The school workers felt scapegoated. It's safe to say race is discussed far more often than class at Smith, said Professor Mark Lendler, who teaches American government at the college. It's a feature of elite academic institutions that faculty and students don't recognize what it means to be elite. The repercussions spread. Three weeks after the incident at Tyler House, Ms. Blair, the cafeteria worker, received an email from a reporter at the Boston Globe asking for her to comment on why she called security on Ms. Canute for eating while black. That puzzled her. What did she have to do with this? The food services director called the next morning. Jackie, he said, you're on Facebook. She found that Ms. Canute had posted her photograph, name, and email. 
along with that of Mr. Pat Nude, a 21-year Smith employee and janitor. This is the racist person, Ms. Canute wrote of Ms. Blair, adding that Mr. Panute, too, was guilty. He, in fact, worked an early shift that day and had already gone home at the time of the incident. Ms. Canute also lashed the Smith administration. They're essentially enabling racist, cowardly acts. Ms. Blair had the lupus, a disease of the immune system, and stress triggers episodes. She felt faint. Oh, my God, I didn't do this, she told her friend. I exchanged a hello with that student, and now I'm a racist? Ms. Blair was born and raised and lived in Northampton with her husband, a mechanic, and makes about $40,000 a year. Within days of being accused by Ms. Canute, she found notes in her mailbox and taped to her car window, racist, read one. People called her at home. You should be ashamed of yourself, a caller said. You don't deserve to live, said another. Smith College put out a short statement noting that Ms. Blair had not placed the phone call to security, but did not absolve her of broader responsibility. Ms. McCartney called her and briefly apologized. That apology was not made public. By September, a chill had settled on the campus. Students walked out of autumn convocation in solidarity with Ms. Canute. The Black Student Association wrote to the president saying they, quote, do not feel hurt or understood, we feel betrayed and tokenized. Smith officials pressured Ms. Blair to go into mediation with Ms. Canute. Quote, a core tenet of restorative justice, Ms. McCartney wrote, is to provide people with the opportunity for willing apology, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Ms. Blair declined. Why should I do this? The student called me a racist. I did nothing, she said. On October 28, 2018, Ms. McCartney released a 35-page report from a law firm with a specialty in discrimination investigations. The report cleared Ms. Blair altogether and found no sufficient evidence of discrimination by anyone else involved, including the janitor who called campus police. Still, Ms. Cartney said the report validated Ms. Canute's lived, lived experience, notably that she felt the fear she felt at the sight of the police officer. Quote, I suspect many of you will conclude as I did, she wrote, it is impossible to rule out the potential role of implicit racial bias. That's from the president of the college. The report said Ms. Canute could not point to anything that supported the claim that she made on Facebook of a year-long pattern of discrimination. Ms. McCartney offered no public apology to the employees after the report was released. Quote, we were gobsmacked. Four people's lives wrecked. Two were employees of more than 35 years and no, empl- and no apology, said Tracy Putnam Culver, a Smith graduate who recently retired from the college facilities management department. How do you rationalize that? Rashawn Hall, Rasan Hall, racial justice director for the ACLU of Massachusetts, and Ms. Canute's lawyer, cautioned against drawing too much from the investigative report. As subconscious bias is difficult to prove, nor was he particularly sympathetic to the accused workers. It's troubling, he wrote, that people are, he said, that people are more offended by being called racist than by the actual racism in our society. Allegations of being racist, even getting direct matters in their mailbox, is not on, on the par with the consequences of actual racism. Ms. Blair was reassigned to a different dormitory, as Ms. Canute lived in the one where she had labored for many years. Her first week in the new job, she said a female student whispered to another, there goes the racist. Anti-bias training began in earnest in the fall. Ms. Blair and other cafeteria and grounds workers found themselves being asked by consultants hired by Smith about their childhood and family assumptions about race, which many viewed as psychologically intrusive. Ms. Blair recalled growing silent and wanting to crawl inside herself. 
The faculty are not required to undergo such training. Professor Lendler said in an interview that such training for working class employee risks becoming a kind of psychological bullying. My response would be, he, my response would be, unless it relates to conditions of employment, it's none of your business what I was like growing up or what I should be thinking of, he said. A few professors have advised Ms. McCartney to stand up more forcefully for line workers lest she lose their loyalty. Asked in an interview about employees who found the training intrusive, the president responded, good training is never about making people feel too uncomfortable about making people too uncomfortable or to feel ashamed or anything, I think our staff is content and are embracing it. In addition to training sessions, the college has set up white accountability groups where faculty and staff are encouraged to meet on Zoom and explore their biases through faculty attendance, Though although faculty attendance has fallen off considerably. The janitor who called campus security quietly returned to work after three months of paid leave and declined to be interviewed. The other janitor, Mr. Pat Newday, who was not working at the time of the incident, left his job at Smith not long after Mr. Ms. Ms. Canute posted his photograph on social media, media, accusing him of racist, cowardly acts. I was accused of being racist, Mr. Pat Newday said. To be honest, that just knocked me out. I'm a 50-year-old male. We're supposed to be tough. But I suffered anxiety because of things in my past, and this brought it to another whole level. He recalled going through one training session after another in race and intersectionality at Smith. He said it left workers cynical. I don't know if I believe in white privilege, he said. I believe in money privilege. As for Ms. Blair, the cafeteria worker, stress exacerbated her lupus, and she checked into the hospital last year. Then George Floyd, a black man, died at the hands of Minneapolis police last spring. Protests fired up across the nation and in Northampton. And angry notes and accusations of racism were again left in her mailbox and by visitors on Smith College's official Facebook page. This past autumn, the university furloughed her and other workers, citing the coronavirus and empty dorms. Ms. Blair applied for an hourly job with a local restaurant. The manager set up a Zoom interview and she asked her, aren't you the one involved in that incident? I was pissed, she said. I told her I didn't do anything wrong, nothing. And she said, well, we're all set. She talked to a reporter recently from a neighbor's backyard as a couple of hens wandered the patio. What do I do, she said, shaking her head. When does this racist label go away? So there you have it. But then Ms. Shaw, the reporter, took to YouTube again and said this, cut 11. Hi, it's Jody. I no longer work in the Department of Residence Life in the Division of Student Affairs at Smith College. Um, it was an agonizing decision. I knew that I could not return to such a hostile work environment. And if you've been following my story, you know that over the past year, I tried really hard through internal channels to try to change the situation And then later I I called attention to it in a video and it didn't change. The administration did not change it. In fact, they enabled it to get worse. And the hostile work environment in and of itself um, was not without suffering for me, but this whole process was uh, a period of mental and physical anguish. And 
I don't usually talk about this stuff in videos, but I think it's important for you to know that so you can better understand my decision-making process. I simply could not return to that situation without ensuring further mental and physical anguish. Entire videos are posted at the New York Times within the story. This is clearly spiraled at Smith College. And she is suing Smith College for a hostile work environment, which I believe, by the way, is going to spread across the United States as uh, self-criticism, Maoist sort of self-denunciation for whiteness and white privilege spreads. And, and I believe that this is not limited to Smith College. I believe it is at almost every elite institution where people are walking on eggshells for fear of being accused of racism. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.